0: I have a great show for you today. I'll teach you the stages of grief and how they impact you when you experience loss. I'll also be interviewing author and psychotherapist Cheryl Crowder, who talks about her book, Odyssey of Ashes, a memoir of love, loss, and letting go that tells the story of the sudden death of her husband and the ensuing journey of grief that takes her from the early morning hours of the first moments of loss to a fly fishing trip to the Madison River in Montana. Odyssey of Ashes is a raw story of loss and the deep transformation that traveling through darkness and returning to light can bring. For more information about Cheryl, please visit CherylCrowder.com. That's C-H-E-R-Y-L-K-R-A-U-T-E-R.com. You may also purchase her book on Amazon. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you, Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. The five stages of grief. I've once heard it said that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Meaning, it doesn't matter if you're considered a, quote, good person or, quote, bad person, life is going to happen to all of us. And usually when we're blindsided by something, we become so overwhelmed and stuck in the moment because what we're currently feeling feels like we will feel that forever. For example, someone walks out of a relationship, someone passes away, you lose your job, or we're blindsided by some other event. When we focus on what was, in other words, what happened prior to this event, life felt good. It's what we knew, we were comfortable, and when that event happened, it shatters our world. Now, of course, every loss is going to be different for each person, but loss is loss. So when you experience grief, these are the stages that happen for you. Now there's no preset time of how long you should be in each one of these stages, or how long the grief should be, so you get to figure that out for yourself as far as how much grieving you should do. The first stage is denial. You get the news about something, And all of a sudden you think, that can't be true. This person's lying to me. Or is this a joke? And you question everything because it's so painful or it can't be because you either just spoke to this person or you're just at this event or you were just at work and now you no longer have a job or you're given some news that just completely blindsides you. That stage of denial literally shatters your mind's paradigm or your thought paradigm. In other words, how you think, your identity, the makeup of who you are, your life. And when you hold on to that denial, it takes some time to recognize that, unfortunately, what you were told or what happened actually did happen. And usually that's information gathering. We have to see it for ourselves, or we need more data to prove what we heard or was told to us is in fact true. And usually it takes our own five senses to determine whether it is true or not. And often it's still difficult to fathom it. Once you move through the stage of denial, then comes anger. Most times when we think of anger, we think of an angry person or someone who's very argumentative. In this particular sense, anger is really used to protect you. You have so many emotions, so much vulnerability, so much heartache and loss that the anger presents itself almost like a shield. That shield protects you from anything else. So your non-conscious mind or even your subconscious mind will focus more on, am I safe? So you're in the stage of hyper arousal of protection because you're protecting yourself from those strong emotions that you're experiencing. And that anger can be directed towards anybody. If you experience a loss in a relationship, it'll be directed towards that person or anybody who even talks about that relationship. Or if someone lost their life, that anger can be directed towards them, towards God, towards your job, towards anything that's in front of you. Even if the people around you aren't even a part of this event, that anger will be directed towards everybody. The next stage, is bartering or bargaining. If there's a breakup in a relationship, one person will bargain with the other person. If we go to counseling, I know everything will be okay. So they can bargain in that way. Or we've all bargained with God before. God, if you change this for me, I promise I will do this or I will do that. But another version of bargaining or bartering is when you think about the event. In your mind, you say that to yourself. If only I had done this, if only I had done that. And when our mind goes through that over and over again, we're trying to find a way to reduce the heartache and the loss. Because in our mind, we think, well, if I had done this, this would have happened. So then I wouldn't have to experience this loss. Or if I'd done this, this wouldn't have happened. And sometimes we can even take the blame on ourselves. It's my fault that this loss happened. And then that anger then is directed towards us. The next stage is depression. So you've experienced the denial. You've experienced the anger. You've experienced the, oh my gosh, what if I'd only done this? And then the reality sets in of, oh my gosh, this is true. What I'm experiencing is actually happening and that loss can be so pervasive and so powerful and so much hopelessness and despair will permeate your body and that is when you truly experience the grief because it's the recognition that there's nothing more that can be done and please know when i say this i say this with the utmost compassion because i too have experienced loss in my own life and you'll hear more about that later in this interview and the fifth stage is acceptance acceptance is recognizing the facts as they are now this is life i can't change it i wish i could but I can't change it, and that's when the recognition of what was and what is is different. So when you can separate between what I had before was optimal for me, it was ideal for me, and now the situation says I have a different life. When you can recognize what a different life looks like, and of course you don't have to figure that out today or even during the loss, but that's something to focus on later on when it comes to you really sitting with that stage of acceptance. Now, it's not one and done, where you go through stages one through five, and then you're done with it. It cycles around quite a bit. So the first level of grief, you go through the cycle, then it goes through it again, and then again, and again, and it filters down more and more until that grief is diluted. So you don't feel it the same way you did when you went through the first round of grief. Now, sometimes those stages can happen really, really quickly, or they don't necessarily have to go in order all the time. When you can recognize which stage of grief you're in, it gives yourself a barometer of where you are when it comes to grief. When you can reflect on the first time you experienced it versus how you currently experience it, the level of grief you're feeling will determine how far along you are in the healing process. And once again, you determine how long that healing process is. Have you ever thought, gosh, I'd love to start my own radio or podcast, but I have no idea how to do it? Or are you a seasoned veteran who wants to level up and improve all aspects of your show? Well, I will be working with a select few to help you either start or polish your show. These are a few topics I will teach you. How to create your brand and how to be specific with your niche and your audience. The types of equipment you should use to help you improve the quality of your audio and your video. I'll teach you how to get your show aired on most podcasting platforms, as well as give you an option to create a video podcast. I'll teach you which recording platforms are best for your needs, as well as teach you the importance of having a show clock the do's and don'ts of writing your own show notes that will help increase the reach of your audience and generate traffic to your website. I'll also introduce you to some of my contacts and previous guests. I'll also be offering a select few the opportunity to broadcast your show on my platform and have access to my three and a half million listeners. So if you're ready to start or level up your show, then visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James and sign up today. It's time, my friend, for you to stand out and share your message with the world. Once again, visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James to get started today. My guest today is Cheryl Crowder, who is an author and a psychotherapist who resides in the San Francisco Bay Area. And today's episode, we talk about her book, Odyssey of Ashes, a memoir of love, loss, and letting go that tells the story of the sudden death of her husband and the ensuing journey of grief and loss and the deep transformation moving from darkness and returning to light. Welcome to my show, Cheryl.
1: Thank you so much, James. It's really good to be with you.
0: Thanks. I, yeah, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to this. When I was telling you in the pre-call, reading the information, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a tearjerker. And I know people who, li- who are listening today, I know it's going to touch so many people because if we haven't lost a partner or spouse, we've lost somebody in our life. Yeah. And so your yeah. message is going to help us get to the side of light as we walk through grief as well.
1: That's always my intention with all the things that I've written. I do a lot of work with cancer and I've written a couple of mm-hmm. books on cancer. And this, this memoir, of course, was a complete departure from those books, yeah. but it's always important to me to have a takeaway. And with this book, it is so much about the truth that loss is a part of our lives mm-hmm. and the deeper we love, the deeper we're engaged, yes. the deeper the loss and yes. how we lean up against that and be with it, you know? Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. I agree with that as well it's in the sense of, I mean, well, everything you said, but more, I, I was telling my mom, um, my father passed away in 2010 and mm-hmm. the journey that she went through when we as a family went through, um, very near and dear to us. Of course, I'm going to respect you and your family as we walk through this. But I was, I w- was reflecting on that as well in the sense of the, just like you said, the, the more you love, the deeper the grief. But, mm-hmm. but to me, it's also, it honors, it honors the love by how deep the grief is, if that makes sense, it's, it's almost mm-hmm, like a giving mm-hmm. back in some ways, and so mm-hmm. it's the way to respect and honor the person who left is to the, the grieve in such a powerful way. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how I, I look at it as well. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And you know, you're so right because obviously illness, death, everything affects the entire family, and it's like a ripple. Mm-hmm. It, it rolls mm-hmm. through, and it it keeps rippling, right? Yeah. I mean, your loss yeah. was, you know, 2010, and it's still, I'm sure, still there's mm-hmm. ripples and feelings yeah. that are always there you know yeah yeah
0: How was it for you so you it was one more, one early morning you he passed away can you tell us what happened
1: yeah i uh my husband died suddenly uh, as the mm. the death uh, record said less than five minutes it happened in the early morning he had some back pain that wasn't unusual you know older people we have back pain so mm. um but you know he went into the other room and i kind of followed him anxiously and tried to rub his back and um one point, he asked for some pain medication, which he'd had for an earlier surgery that year, which he never took. He didn't like it. And I, mm. you know, in the in the book, and even now, even as I say this, I think, you know, boy, I should have known then, you know, that that something mm. was wrong. But here it is. It's four in the morning, and sure. it's that twilight—not only twilight of a day, but that twilight within you—and it becomes mm-hmm. timeless. Mm. And so, you know, of course, because he couldn't stand me to hover, and who does like anybody to hover? <laughs> I went back to, to bed, and, and within moments, I just. I felt really sick, really nauseous. And I thought, "Yeah, what is happening? Food poisoning. And, you know, then I just hear this noise, like unearthly, unearthly noise Mm. from the other room, like this roar. And and I rush in and, um, you know, within a very, probably seconds, again, time completely suspended. I don't know. And I realized he wasn't breathing. And then the whole trauma of, you know, you call Mm. 911. I get this inane operator asking me all these questions and i'm just starting to scream at her and yeah. you know then paramedics and police and firemen and all these people are in the home and from that point it's like going into a different land uh, just a different yeah. land yeah
0: yeah and I, and once again thank you for sharing that i mean i, I yeah. that's very private and i understand that well when, it's
1: private but i've splashed it all over the pages of this video,
0: so. <laughs> <Sure. Yeah. laughs> i think it's the beauty about writing a memoir and some people may not know the difference of a memoir but what's different from a biography or an autobiography which is about autobiography is about my life but a memoir is an autobiography but then it has the retrospective Um, understanding, a reflection of what happened. So you can take a time, uh, you know, if I'm talking about my childhood as an adult, but then I can talk about the lessons I learned as a child. and So that's the difference for people to understand what a memoir is. It has that retrospective Mm -hmm. perspective that helps people understand what happened and what influenced, et cetera. So that's obviously why your book is so powerful is you're able to now reflect and talk about it where obviously at the time you couldn't talk about it so in some ways it mm-hmm. can be a form of healing as well um when absolutely. people write, write memoirs. absolutely mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah in this book you move through the the the, the journey of loss to today what was the, the steps that you took to walk you through that some things happened um mm-hmm. to go from the loss to all of a sudden you are fly fishing Tell me about how you went from that loss to fly fishing, because it's such a beautiful journey. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, thank you. Well, my husband was a a master fly fisherman. Mm. uh, He always wanted me to to fish, and um, we had some early misadventures uh, where we realized (laughs) that he was not the best teacher for me, um, so at <laughs> that point, that yeah, yeah. So at that point, you know, we hired some of the, some of the most beautiful guides. Um, uh-huh. You know, guys who uh, babysat me on rivers, taught me how to cast, which is very important in fly fishing. Yes, fly fishing. And oh gosh, um, so. so, you know, from those early morning horrific hours, and and, and just to say a, a brief thing about that, one thing that was so, you know, in in retrospect, in the memoir, memoir meaning memory um Mm. in french is that um you know the paramedics say oh no you should look you know go to the other room um when the Mm. mortuary people came to take his body which was another moment of course sure um they said no don't look and then you go to the mortuary the next day and they say well in the cremation you shouldn't look and in retrospect what what came to me is like in our culture it's like we're, we're told, don't look, don't look at death. Don't look at pain Mm -hmm. back away as though you, you should, you shouldn't be with it. I feel like the deepest part of the transformation is leaning into it, being Mm. with it, looking at, at the face of, of the loss. So I just want to say that in terms of you say, how did I, 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 you know, make Mm -hmm. that, but about five months after after his death, um, I'm up in Lake Tahoe with some friends, a trip that we were all supposed to go on, and we're mm. taking this beautiful hike. And of course, I have my stupid cell phone. I haven't turned my stupid cell phone <laughs> off. And in nature is gorgeous, and it rings, and I'm so, annoyed. Or, uh, you know, no. <laughs> so I turn it off. We get back to the car, and I I uh, listen to the message. And what has happened uh, i was i was very fortunate to um attend a retreat by an organization called casting for recovery it's for women hmm. who've had breast cancer they take oh. women out uh to fish because they learned that some of the casting motion with fly fishing is very good for a condition called lymphedema
0: so oh, i went on this
1: retreat just beautiful retreat and i came back and i told john look they have these um at the last day of the retreat they have Uh, River helpers who come and uh, teach the women. I said, why don't you do this? So for him, it was um, not only a way to give back and enjoy something that he loves so much, but also a way for him to process my cancer Mm -hmm. and all the the concerns of that. So every year this organization has a gala, of course, and all profits, you know, they, they need to make money. Mm -hmm. Every year they have a raffle for a guided fly fishing trip for two people. And this, these are always on very prized rivers in Montana. So every year, John would, you know, plunk his little $50 down and and hope to win. Well, five months after he died, this message that I got in Lake Tahoe was from a friend and the woman who was the coordinator at that time of the program in Northern California saying, you're not going to believe this. I put his ticket into the hopper and when came time for the raffle, I pulled his name out. Mm, and wow. so she was overcome. She had to hand it to somebody else. I at this book became overcome. And what was so generous and lovely is they offered this trip to me. Mm. And so that becomes that's that's actually the start of when I realized, you know, this is so synchronistic. How does this yes, happen? Yes. And I realized without knowing what the story truly was, that there was a story that wanted to be told. So this is mm-hmm. when I took this trip up to montana on my own and um mm. scattered his ashes uh wow. by the madison river which what he had wanted
0: yeah wow and so. it's such a yeah synchronicity for, for those people who don't know what that means it just means the this this the things are aligned together Some people can call it yeah. divine intervention Some people can call it um um serendipity you can call it many different things but synchronicity means things line up in a way that just doesn't make sense so it's it's, it's more than a more (laughs) than a coincidence in some ways yeah of course and so that's one thing it's it's a it's a great thing when when we realize that and you see that wow that how did that happen and so realizing that there is something there that is beyond us and so how does that play out and so it was so neat to hear that you know like you said as far as that opportunity for you to do that Mm -hmm. when you were going when you were on that on that trip um and there with his ashes i'm sure that was such a spiritual and such a private moment um to go from where you were to to then you know months later uh, to to experience that how, how transformative how transformative was that for you because it seems like such a ritual aspect of it to to release yeah.
1: it was deeply transformational i I, uh, I i went on the guided fly fishing trip with my guide mm-hmm. uh, whose nickname was Dirty Mike, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, we had quite a time. I, I realized, though, that um, I had the ashes with me on that trip, but I realized, you know, this was, you're right, it, this had to be very private. It was not something that I could just sort of, you know, take a step out of a, a little fishing boat and do. Mm-hmm. So I, I realized, you know, no, this is, this is for the next day. So um, the next day I began uh, quite an odyssey of looking for just the place Mm. to put these ashes Mm -hmm. um i went all the way up the highway one way i went all the way and and during this i was enveloped by a massive storm Mm. where suddenly the sky went dark i've never been in in rain like that next you know the, the the lights were up uh and So I was traveling through the storm in my little rental car, which was buffeting about. I could hardly see in Mm. front of me. And Mm. like a maniac, I kept going. Um, And I kept trying to find, okay, where's the spot? Where's the spot? And I would pull off the road and, oh, that isn't it. And then I heard kind of this message, you know, I'll I'll, I'll let you know where to go. And, of course, I don't pay attention and I stop. (laughs) I'll let you know. And finally, I hear this message saying, well, this is just how it is. You don't listen to me. At which point I realized I know I know this voice. And uh, I think I even write, well, in order to avoid an argument, <laughs> I pay attention. And of course, yes. um, I'm guided back to this little park a mile from where I had had left. Mm. And I wander down by the Madison River, at which point the storm completely takes off. It's, it's like nothing I've ever been in. The Madison River, which is big enough anyway, was like an ocean. At one wow. point um a, a small bird behind me flies out of its nest. It's screaming. I'm at this point crying and screaming. I've got these ashes. I'm should I save this this bird? You know, what's going on? And then it's like night at this point. The mountains mm. go from black to purple. And um this is where I, I actually release his ashes. Mm. And um yeah, it's it was quite um yeah, I felt like, you know, I left a part of myself there. And what yes. uh, was so beautiful in this book launch I just had, I've had two people now tell me that um, one one person lives close to this park,
0: mm. another
1: is going to visit this town, and they both said, wow. we're going to go to this park, and we're going to
0: visit. Wow. Yeah. So. And, you know, it's it, the storm. I mean, obviously, that that's so analogous or in other words it's it's very similar to what you're experiencing inside exactly so the, exactly the, mm-hmm. and so it's it's such a beautiful a beautiful representation of what you were experiencing and so well, as you well, hear this when voice,
1: inner, when it, the inner world and the outer world you mm-hmm. know just they 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 go like this and it's almost yes. like you can't tell the difference Mm-mm. yeah where yeah. is the storm where is that mm-hmm. scream where is the where are those tears is that the wind yeah. is that the bird is that me yeah. is that the river Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And once you release the ashes, that's the journey of, that's the journey of now what? You know, there's, as we all mm-hmm. know, grief, grief is, there are five stages of grief, or well, some people say seven, but five stages of grief. And in that grief is a, is, is a necessary thing. And grief isn't, we don't, there's not an appropriate time of grief for when someone loses right. someone. So that's right. forever. Right. That you, and people get to figure that out. So I always tell people, mm-hmm. grieve as much as you need to. There's, there's no mm-hmm. prescribed time for that
1: right right
0: and in, in, in psychology and of course you know about this as well we have what's called radical acceptance radical acceptance is accepting the facts as they are it doesn't mean that we appreciate it, it doesn't mean we agree with it, it doesn't mean anything you just look at the facts without emotion and when you looked at the facts as they were while you're grieving how did you allow yourself to sit with that ease of the facts moment? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: well as a psychotherapist I am mentored in a practice now for over 40 years uh, as an existential humanistic psychotherapist.
0: Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. So okay.
1: what you just said basically is the foundational belief of existential, you know, mm-hmm. that there are there are the facts of existence. There's life, there's yes. death, there's grief, there's birth, there's joy. All these things are part of life and so how we are with them, sure. how we learn from them is really the the journey and the growth, Mm -hmm. not to fight it, not to not to say it isn't true. Um I don't know for me if it was without emotions. Certainly there were many, many emotions. But I think it's you know, my own experience with grief, I I I believe strongly is quite universal, which that grief becomes timeless. Mm -hmm. And particularly with a sudden death, and for anybody who has experienced that, um, you know that there's that sense of you know the the trauma and the shock which takes sometimes close to a year even for that to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. subside so that you can actually feel what you feel so to be able to know okay i feel like people sometimes could feel crazy it can feel crazy because it's timeless and you're you know here you are on one side you know i'm going to work i'm paying my bills the other side i'm in this you know sort of dark cave or i'm on a mountain or i'm underneath water And, um, and just to be able to know that, that, you know, you will, you will move through this, but yes. I say move through it rather than beyond or get over, which I think yes. is a real yes. cruel thing to say to people. Yeah.
0: Amazing.
1: Yeah. And just to, um, help people know that, um, there, there, there are ways you you'll, you'll, you'll move as you need to, and you'll flow as mm-hmm. you, as you need to, you know?
0: Yes there's so many well meaning people, thank you for sharing that as well mm-hmm. uh, there's so many well meaning people that can say the most thoughtless and cruel things <laughs> you <know. laughs> Can you share some of those? Some people have said
1: well, I think actually some people said this was actually i think actually the first day that um, you know the morning after after you know the whole tragedy happened um, Several people told me that I should read um, a book, uh, a very famous book <laughs> on sudden loss, and I just felt like saying, are you kidding me? I'm living this. I really don't need to read the book. Yeah, I have exactly. read the book, by the way. Yeah. But um, but so actually, I'm fortunate that, that most people who surround me um, are... People who have done a lot of growth, they mm-hmm. have the capacity to be with and sit with, and they have the capacity just to not ask anything, just sit sit next to it's me, nice. um, be with me. But I, I think where I've noticed some of the most... Um, I don't know what it was funny, uh, funny and sort of not funny um, yeah, okay. are what happens oftentimes when people have cancer and some of the things that people will say to people who have cancer. And um, the first book I've written, I share some of those. One of my favorite is, "Oh, I, I know how you feel. My dog had cancer," uh, you know, <laughs> things like that, right? <laughs> to someone who has a, and so yeah, I know, right? So <laughs> some wow. of those lines. Um, and again, people are uncomfortable. They're frightened. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I always understand that it, it's not. You know, nine times out of ten, it's not coming from some place sure. of, of wanting to be sure. cruel. And I, I like to try and help people figure out how to be with others who are going through a loss or mm-hmm. a a life-threatening illness. You know, sure. there's ways we can learn At, how to do it.
0: Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I remember when my father passed away, and you know, I'm I'm a fixer. You know, if uh-huh. I need a if if I who can I talk to? Who can I beat up? Who can I, you know, whatever, <laughs> sure. what can I, how much money do I need to pay for whatever? Cause I, yeah, you know, yeah. I didn't want her to feel that. And I think that was the hardest lesson for me as, as the child of a, of a, of a parent, um, who's lost, well, my dad, um, yeah. was to just sit there and like, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. All I can do is provide emotional support, allow her to grieve. Mm-hmm. But I think that, I think that was one of the hardest things for anyone is to say, the recognition i can't walk her through this grief mm-hmm. she has mm-hmm. to grieve on her own i think and mm-hmm. for you as well i'm sure with 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 your children too mm-hmm. that that's probably something that they learned as well as
1: mm-hmm.
0: with you know, not only their own grief but just have, having to how can they help you and i think that's a right. very difficult thing um for many well, people
1: you said something right in in the middle of that that um i think is the point you said i i could only allow her mm-hmm. to feel her grief and yeah. you know i mean right there. I think yeah. we minimize the power and the beauty of witnessing somebody and being mm-hmm. with somebody and just allowing them and I don't think there's any more you can give to somebody than that yeah. allowing. Yeah. Um I have a I have one son um he uh, was a student uh, at Wick College um when this happened and you can imagine um when I had to make that call in oh, the early morning gosh, hours so yeah, it, yeah it was um I really had to pull it pull it up i think that's one thing for a parent i mean he he wasn't a small child you know mm-hmm. depending on the the age of your of your children the way that that people sometimes have to pull it together i feel mm-hmm. a lot for um you know people who have lost uh, spouses with and their they have they're left with young children mm-hmm. they need to they need to be there for these kids often their own grief process gets interrupted and sometimes I'll see them uh, in a space say, okay here's the space for you here's where yeah. you don't have to take care of those kids mm-hmm. you don't have to do anything for anybody else you can let down and um yeah. And I know for my son, I think there was a lot of feeling of, you know, how same as you, like, what, what mm-hmm. could he do? How could he take care? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really tried to say, hey, listen, we're just going to go through this together in a very yeah. different way. And, um, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's beautiful that, you know, because we know grief for some people can, that anger phase can be so yeah. powerful that that's, yeah. they yeah. S- get stuck in that for a while. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's, there's no judgment behind that at all, because yeah. it's yeah. You know, often, you you know, often anger really isn't anger. It's just so so much emotion on the other side. Yeah. I always tell people, yeah. anger. There's if anger is there to protect us, that's one thing. But if anger is used as a as a defense mechanism, think of anger. The more anger, like a castle wall. The higher mm-hmm. the castle wall, the more the more vulnerable feelings on the other side of that. Yeah. So when yeah. people can recognize that yeah. it's grief to protect, it's part of the grief process, and the anger is really not anger. It's just so much pain. And so yes. when people can recognize that, these yeah. don't take it personal. You just you know, absolutely. Understand. I love that about the
1: castle wall. That's really nice. It's a nice metaphor. I like that. Very nice.
0: Mm -hmm. Cheryl, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show. I I can't even believe the time has flown by. If my listeners want to find out more information about you and to purchase your book, Odyssey of Ashes, A Memoir of Love, Loss, and Letting Go, where will they find this information online?
1: The best place to look for me online is my website, and that is com all the, the books, the interviews, everything is on that site. So that's that's kind of like the place to go.
0: Excellent, well my listeners also know that if they do not find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I will link you with Cheryl. Cheryl, once again, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on my show today. I truly appreciate all your time, your wisdom and thank you for sharing your, your story of grief and loss. Thank
1: you, thank you, James. It's been really a lovely conversation, I appreciate it.
0: I also wanna thank you, my listener for tuning in today Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit JamesMillerLifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.